Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In this podcast, our host Derek will visit six places of worship, including Southwark Cathedral, which has a history dating back to 7th century. The diocese, which it serves, stretches from Kingston-upon-Thames in the west to Thamesmead in the east and Gatwick Airport in the south. It has a population of 2.5 million people, served by over 300 parishes. Also visited will be Sandy's Row Synagogue, which is a historic Grade II listed synagogue and a former Christian church in the east end of London. 
Built by refugee French Huguenots in 1766, it was later converted into a Baptist chapel and in 1867 was acquired by a Jewish congregation. It is the oldest surviving Ashkenazi synagogue in London. This used to be called St Saviour's Church yeah. and it was once the tallest structure in London. In 1666 it stood at 164 feet. Good knowledge. Do you know what it's called now? I do, Derek. It's Southwark Cathedral. Well done. <laughs> You've done your homework. Let's go. Located at the heart of Southwark's Bankside area is the oldest cathedral church building in London and there has been a church on this site since 606 AD. Although archaeological evidence suggests there was Roman pagan worship here well before that. Previously known as St Saviour's, the name changed to Southwark Cathedral with the creation of the Diocese of Southwark in 1905. Many visitors are drawn to the intricate high altar screen which depicts saints and people connected to the cathedral and was originally erected by the Bishop of Winchester in 1520 and additional carvings were added at later periods. You can also find local residents that have been commemorated, such as William Shakespeare, who has a memorial window in his honour depicting characters from his plays, and his brother Edmund is also buried within the cathedral. And there is a chapel named after John Harvard, a Southwark resident who emigrated to the United States and who founded the famous university in Boston, Massachusetts that bears his name today. The cathedral has a long tradition of serving the local community by offering refuge and help to every type of person. And today there are up to five services a day that offer guidance or just moments of reflection for residents, workers and visitors. Sandy Rose Synagogue is a Grade II listed building and is the oldest Ashkenazi synagogue in London. Good morning, my name is Harvey Rifkind and I am privileged to be the current president of Sandys Row Synagogue. This building was built in 1766 as a Huguenot chapel. It remained a Huguenot chapel for approximately 80 years and around 1840 a silk weaving machine was invented and they went from 80,000 approximately down to about 2,000. And this building was not sustainable for them and they vacated the premises. So then in 1854, 50 Dutch Jewish families moved to London from Holland and settled in the area. They were economic migrants. They moved here for a better life. And as the community grew, they started to look around for a permanent place to establish their community. They knew that this building was empty and they approached the church authorities and purchased the building for 700 pounds the building was ideal for a synagogue. It has the ladies' gallery, as you can see. The ladies' gallery was here from the Huguenot days, and 
Even today, we still keep separate seating. The idea in an Orthodox synagogue is that the ladies would sit separately to the men and there wouldn't be anybody saying, well, she's very nice, I quite like her. You will notice our ark, which contains the scrolls of the Torah, the five books of Moses. Our scrolls are very old, they are museum quality, and you will notice some of the silver that adorns the scrolls is well over a hundred years old. Either side of the ark, there are two big tablets. One is the prayer for Israel, which we say every week, and one is the prayer for the royal family. When the Jews came to England, they wanted to become part of the English community. And as the churches did at the time, they said a prayer for the royal family. We are in contact with like-minded people that want to develop the area. Whether they are people of faith or not, we are open to everybody. I'm Anne Stevens. I'm the vicar of St Pancras Church on the Euston Road. Um, I've been here just under four years. and I'm the first woman to be the vicar here, which is, is uh, a source of great pride to me. St Pancras Church opened in 1822 and it was quite controversial in its day, partly because it cost so much money. Um, at the time, it was the second most expensive church in London after Christopher Wren's St Paul's Cathedral. And they'd raised some of the money from a tax on local people, which wasn't very popular at all. The other reason was that the architecture was so controversial with the Greek statues, our famous caryatids, our pagan goddesses who stand over the doors to the crypt, guarding the entrance to the underworld. So people, of course, were saying, well, that's not very Christian at all. But this has always been a place where the church meets the world, so we're very proud of our caryatids. The pillars from the West End are matched by the five pillars over the altar. Victorian stained glass was added later. A very large gallery where I believe the children used to sit in Victorian times. The poor were upstairs and the, the wealthy were downstairs, possibly because of the smell. We're very keen to do all we can to promote both music and art at, at every level. The crypt underneath the church was used for burials from the 1820s to the 1850s when burials were banned in central London. The crypt has now been developed into the Crypt Art Gallery. About a third of the space is used for exhibitions from all sorts of artists, from the very experienced to those who are at art college just starting out. And again, most of the exhibitions are free. I think St Pancras Church is is a flagship church for liberal Anglican values here in central London. And where we are, that's a really crucial part of our ministry, to welcome people, whatever their education or race or sexuality or what they believe even. We're here to ask questions together, to explore faith together, not to tell people what to do. So come to St Pancras, we'll give you a very warm welcome.
Next, we hear Derek talking with local tour guide Rob Smith about St Peter's Italian Church in Clerkenwell. Saffron Hill, uh, the people who lived there, uh, Londoners, were starting to move out, but they would let their houses to Italians. Life was really hard in Italy at that time. They'd had the Napoleonic Wars. By the 1850s, though, the Italian community started to build up and get a lot more respectable. And they managed to build themselves an absolutely beautiful church, uh, St Peter's Italian Church, uh, which is it's still in Clerkenwell Road. And it's one of the most beautiful churches in London. Now, the trouble was they had people moving to Clerkenwell from all over Italy. And they didn't want to dedicate it to one particular saint and upset everyone else. So each alcove in the church is dedicated to a particular Italian saint from a different area of Italy. Yeah, absolutely. The church was built for the growing number of Italian immigrants in the 19th century and is equipped with one of the largest bells in England, which is known as the Steel Monster. The frontal section of the church consists of twin arches, above which are three alcoves. The central alcove contains a statue of Christ, with statues of St Bede and St George on either side. I'm Stephen Evans. I'm the rector of St Marylebone in central London, the part of central London that includes Harley Street, Wimpole Street, Oxford Street, Baker Street, Madame Tussauds, the Royal Academy of Music and Regent's Park, so right in the heart of uh, town. St Marylebone is named because of St Marylebone, uh, the parish church. In fact, it's a contraction of St Mary of Tyburn, because underneath us flows the River Tyburn. Most of it, though, these days is a long way underground. Because of the growth of this part of, of London, uh, there needed to be a church big enough to contain the population. And it took four Acts of Parliament to force the vestry to build a church that was big enough for the area. It is one of the great landmarks of central London. Uh, it has a very famous uh, cupola uh, surrounded by golden angels that can be seen from a long way away from, from the church. The first marriage to take place here uh, was Sir Stamford Raffles. Raffles had been a great explorer and also administrator and governor in what is now Singapore and the areas thereabouts and gives his name to the hotel in Singapore. Today, St Marylebone Parish Church continues to be at the very centre of its community. We have an enormous Sunday school. We have about 160, 70 children uh, who come. Every Monday morning, uh, we have 1,200 people in church. Uh, so it's packed to the rafters, every space used. We have a very fine organ, which was put in in 1987 and that is the, uh, the practice and performance instrument for the students from the Royal Academy of Music. So every day from nine until six, uh, the students of the academy play the organ uh, here in church. Can get a bit much sometimes. We're here at the church of St John on Bethnal Green. Let's go inside and have a look. Welcome to St John on Bethnal Green. My name is Alan Green, Alan Green of Bethnal Green. I'm the rector of St John's um, and I've been here for almost 20 years. What can you tell me about the history of this church? 
St John, it's on Bethnal Green, which was the, the common land here, and St John's was the first encroachment on it in 1828. Money was given to build a number of churches. The government was afraid that with growing poverty that people would not have the benefits of faith and therefore would not be very civilised and also might be tempted to revolution. And the architecture of the church... It's designed by Sir John Soane, a major British architect who designed the Dulwich Picture Gallery and the Bank of England. He did three churches and this is one of those. Sir John Soane designed this church in, in a very simplistic way. The very slight edging of, of the pillars behind me is the clue to the simple way that he built this. He wanted it very plain indeed. And that didn't go down too well with the church as a whole. There was a big fire here in 1870 and the roof burnt off. They hired another architect to repair it um, who decided it ought to look like a proper church. So they put a lot of stuff in that hadn't been here before. They changed the design of the windows, putting all the beams in the roof here. It's also further extended at the end of the 19th century, so all of the rear adoss was added. Again, it was much shorter and much plainer when Soane designed it. So it's been much played with. We've got this great building and it needs quite a lot of work doing to it, but it is a real resource. We do um, a range of concerts um, and exhibitions in the church. And then downstairs in our crypt, a range of community businesses. So we teach English to people whose language is not English. And we have a community arts room where we teach stone carving and mosaic uh, and stained glass. Walking around and I noticed some very interesting artwork particularly the Stations of the Cross. The stations represent Jesus' last journey on Good Friday, from being with Pilate at his trial to the time that, that he dies and is placed in the tomb. They are generally um, quite quiet and conservative. I had been thinking about having a modern set of stations that, whilst they had the, the traditional themes, they reflected a, a very modern style. We commissioned Chris Gollan, a London artist, to paint them. We began talking about it in 1999. He started painting them in 2002, and it took another six years for the, the series of 14 Stations of the Cross to be completed. And although there was commitment from the church to have them, um, we didn't have the money to pay for them. So every time we managed to find a donor, he could go away and paint the next station. So it took six years and he's produced amazing pieces of art. I know um, from my own knowledge that there was an incident not far from here. Could you sort of tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's a, a, the saddest incident, I think, in the whole history of the, the church. Um, in 1943, in the middle of the, the war, there had been um, a, a period where there had been no bombing in this area. Um, and then during the day on March the, the 3rd in 1943, um, people suddenly heard what they thought were, were bombs falling. Um, it turned out to be um, testing of guns in Victoria Park, but people didn't know that. And people thought that um, at that moment, without any warning, that there was a, a bomb raid on. And so there was panic, and people fled to the nearest um, bomb shelters. And one of those was here at St John's, and the other one is the, the underground station just over the other side of the road. And a huge number of people piling down the stairs, and someone fell and within a matter of seconds, 172 people were crushed and died. It was never really acknowledged. Um, and people lived their lives really burying that memory inside them. And it's only been in recent years that there has been an attempt to provide 
a proper fitting memorial with the names of the people on it.